0: You are Locked On Broncos, your daily podcast on the Denver Broncos,
1: part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: But this one's for Pat! Welcome in, everybody. You know what time it is. It's time to drop some knowledge. You're Locked On Broncos. Here we are at the end of the week. I am Chad Jensen, the publisher of MileHighHuddle.com, and with me as always is my co-host Luke Polglaze, a semi-pro football coach and NFL draft analyst. Luke, what's good, man? We've got some uh, Vance Joseph, Paxton Lynch drama to kind of dissect today.
1: Well, as they say, if it bleeds, it leads, and uh, drama fills the seats. So settle in, folks. We've got the NFL opera for you today, so to speak.
0: Absolutely, and we are committed to bringing you a daily podcast that focuses entirely on your Denver Broncos at least five days a week, and we're not here to just report the news, we want to do a deep dive on your favorite team, so help us out and retweet the episodes on Twitter, share them on Facebook, share them on Reddit, and make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Broncos. just take a second and get that done. And then check out our work also over at milehighhuddle.com. We have killer premium Broncos content, which is just more deep dive stuff for the sick maniac Bronco-holics out there. And don't forget, our premium members get 10% off on tickets and 10% off on Broncos team merchandise through Fanatics, which of course is the same merchandiser used by the Broncos and the NFL. And right now, while we're still in free agency, you can get two free months on a premium membership when you sign up for a monthly membership using the code FA2017 at checkout. And then also the work that Luke's doing right now over at Inside the Pylon, covering the draft, absolutely phenomenal. You don't want to miss that. They just came out with the Inside the Pylon draft guide. Luke, hit us with that URL.
1: Yep, definitely. It is itpdraftguide.com, and uh, I'll be doing work on the defensive backs over there. I don't want to give away too much, but it is definitely going to be an incredibly innovative product, so definitely check it out. We'd love to have you uh, uh, choose us. Don't miss
0: it, you guys. It's truly a a great site for people who want to know and learn more about football. And then, of course, the home of our show is Audio Boom. But make sure you're subscribing on iTunes, and if you're an Android user, Stitcher, because here we are still knee-deep, if you will, in free agency. The drafts are coming. They're going to be pro days. You're not going to want to miss a single episode. And today's show is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash L-O-Bronco's. Over 180,000 different titles for you to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And with your free trial, you can listen to a multitude of titles, best selling options uh, like The Girl on the Train, The Hobbit, Divergent, and uh, plenty more. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash LO Broncos. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash L-O-Broncos for your free audiobook. All right. Now, one of the biggest stories on MileHighHuddle.com this week was regarding something Vance Joseph had to say on Monday. Now, of course, the media were gathered at Dove Valley for the Domitopeco and Zach Kerr pressers. John Elway spoke, as we covered yesterday. And then Vance Joseph also took some time at the podium. And, you know, there have been reports that Vance Joseph has been the driving force behind the Broncos pursuing Tony Romo. That was a report, in fact, that came out of the NFL scouting combine. And uh, forgive me, off the top of my head, I don't remember who, who broke that. But uh, regardless, he's a driving force in their interest, reportedly. Now, whether that's true or not, Joseph as the new head coach, is stepping into a situation where he has to evaluate the quarterbacks already on the roster, he has to begin to forge a relationship with them, and it'll also set the expectations. Now, Joseph has officially had his sit-down with 2016 first-rounder Paxton Lynch, and Joseph said that they had some great conversations. Here's what he had to say about it. It's actually quite juicy. It's not an audio uh, clip, so I'll just quote him real quick. Quote, Paxton is a young guy with great talent, but playing quarterback in the NFL has a lot more to it than talent. It's leadership. Whether you like it or not, it comes with leadership obligations. It comes with studying in it and understanding the systems. He's ready for it. He wants the challenge. He's looking forward to coming back and going to work. It's going to be a fair and open competition. Whoever plays better is going to be the guy. Close quote. Now, before we dive into this, Luke, just off the cuff, what he had to say there, what are your immediate takeaways from Joseph's remarks?
1: Well, I mean, that's the thing you want with a quarterback is he's a guy you want to come in and compete and just fight for the team. That's, you know, that's what we want in a quarterback. That's the fiery idea of leadership that we have. Um, And it's a quarterback who's going to be the first one into the huddle and, you know, rattle off the play and all right, you know, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go break on three, one, you know, and just kind of lead it from there. He's vocal. He's the experienced guy and he's the one you want quarterbacking the system. I mean, it's the reason that to quarterback is a verb is you want that guy that's the the perfect model if you were to draw up, uh you know a quarterback on on paper you know he'd uh he'd have the body of a roman statue um probably with a little bit more mo- mobility i was going for more <laughs> the sculpted aspect there sure um um yeah but he's you know he's the quarterback is the guy who you want under center in shotgun commanding the mm. offense mm.
0: i would agree with that and you know Unfortunately, from what I've been told, Lynch struggled as a rookie with basically, from what it sounds like to me, with his priorities. You know, here he is. He's suddenly this young, wealthy dude, uh, wealthy athlete, spent too much time with his Xbox, maybe too much time on Tinder or something, chasing girls, instead of assimilating the playbook and really buckling down and settling in. Now, Luke, you're a coach, I mean, the quarterback, you intimated a little bit about it there, has to be the example, too, when it comes to knowing the playbook. I mean, guys need to be able to come to you as the quarterback, ask questions, clarify things. And Lynch was simply not that guy last year. Now, granted, he was jumping from a simplified spread offense in college to Gary Kubiak's significantly deeper and more complicated West Coast offense. And there's going to be a lag there, of course. But Trevor Simeon... In that regard, he had a leg up simply because he had a year's uh, more worth of time in the playbook. Now, this time around, Luke Lynch and Simeon, they're going to be starting from square one together with whatever offense uh, Mike McCoy and Bill Musgrave cook up. And it'll be really interesting to see which guy shows more command, to use your word, which I really like of the offense early in camp.
1: Yeah, well a quarterback has to know the offense just as well as the offensive coordinator because when they come back to the sideline on, you know, on game day, you'll see them flipping through, well, you know, maybe the old uh, the old printouts, but these days it's going to be the uh, the surface tablets right. and they're going to be the ones saying, you know, hey, maybe when we're going to go trips away, we can really isolate the free safety here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. um and so he has to have a command of the offense as good as the offensive coordinator because this isn't college you know, they're not going to get up to the line, get a look and then stop and look over to the sideline to change the play. No, (laughs) if they're, if they're changing the play, the quarterback's got to be the one at the line of scrimmage, making that call and changing that play call. And you know, the offense needs to be on the same page. Um, So the quarterback has to be the, the example, but they also have to be able to physically execute within the, uh, within the structure and the play protocol itself. Mm. Um, So in that kind of sense, neither one was really able to execute within the offensive last year. But the the sense and the hope is that this year with guys like Mike McCoy on board, um, with guys like Musgrave on board, they're going to have a greater shot of executing within the offense because it's going to have a little bit more tailored sp- and focus specifically for them.
0: Great point. You know, and you look at what Joseph said there, he's, he's thrown a little shade Lynch's way talking about the fact that it comes with leadership obligations, being a quarterback in the NFL. And the truth is, you know, you hear it said all the time, right? The quarterback's the first guy in the building every day and the last guy to leave, As even as the huddle. Same thing, first guy in the huddle, he's got to be the one driving things. Paxton Lynch, again, was just not that guy as a rookie. And I wrote about this the other day. You know, it is, it's is—it's a damn shame that Lynch missed out on the opportunity to learn at the feet of Peyton Manning and his example, like Trevor Simeon did. Simeon got to see the way it was done by a true professional and one of the all-time greats. Lynch missed that preparation, what he saw, how Peyton Manning prepared, how he conducted himself by only a couple of months. But Lynch still did get to see Peyton's influence through Simeon in a way, in kind of a vicarious way. And I'm hopeful, Luke, that Lynch learned something from Simeon in that regard.
1: Yeah, and I mean, when people talk about a guy who commands the offense, I think Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are going to be two of the first guys who come to pretty much everybody's mind. Um, And, you know, no quarterback last year really had that kind of uh, atmosphere around them. There was nobody who just walked out and... There's a great story about a quarterback, and now, of course, I can't remember what quarterback it was. I think it was Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. About, um, in fact, it may have been John Elway. Yeah, one of those, one of those quarterbacks was, from before was a I was genre, born. a Joe. Yeah, you know, close enough, right? Um, uh, talking about how you know it was a it was a, a drive that they needed to win the game, and he goes out, he comes out into the stage, uh, into the huddle, um, pre snap, and he goes, "Hey, is that John Candy in the stands?" And everybody kind of chuckles for a moment. I think it may well have been, um, but uh, you know, nobody was focused on that. Everybody was then kind of a little bit relaxed. They weren't thinking about the the, the really the task at hand, and they were able to go out and I believe win that game. You were now, right,
0: by the way. It was Joe Montana.
1: All right, got it on my first one.
0: It was worth. So a uh,
1: you know, it's the guys who who know exactly what to say in every situation to defuse any tension or to say. Hey, you know, I'll, you know, I'm going to get you the ball here. You better be ready for it, which is another thing that players will talk about. The quarterback in the huddle says, all right, this one's coming for you. You better be open.
0: Well, in the flip side of that coin, and we have to try and interpret this, is that Vance Joseph, in my mind, is clearly impressed with what Trevor Simeon did in 2016. And, you know, this is an issue, ironically, that always strikes me as being somewhat paradoxical because, you know, most football coaches and scouts – that I've had the opportunity to either talk to or hear speak on the matter, really liked what Simeon did in his first year as a starter. But so many fans, analysts, you know, media people, including us at times, have felt like Simeon left a lot to be desired. Now, for me, I've been on record multiple times. I recognize his shortcomings, but I also acknowledge that he exceeded my expectations for a former seventh-round pick, second-year pro, first-time starter. If Paxton Lynch wasn't on this roster as a first-round pick, honestly, I'd be a lot more excited about Simeon's future with the Broncos. Um, But but he is. I mean, the Broncos invested a first-round pick in Paxton Lynch. Now, listen really quick to what Joseph had to say when asked whether Simeon has received enough credit for what he accomplished in 2016. He said, quote, "'Overall, I think he has not. When you win nine games in the NFL, that is tough to do with two rookie quarterbacks.'" They won nine football games, and we won 10 in Miami and made the playoffs. Two of the games could have been either way. They could have won 11. I'm very comfortable with Trevor. He's a smart guy. He's a great leader. His teammates love him, and they love playing for him. If he's the guy again, all good. If Paxton comes back, and he plays better, and he's the guy, all good. We're excited about our quarterback future. We've got two young guys. One is a first round pick and one has played an awful lot. Going forward, we're in great shape, not just for next year. Moving forward for the next four or five years, we're in great shape at quarterback. Luke, your thoughts on Joseph's remarks there about Simeon. I mean, he's pretty, uh, he's reinforcing quite a few, I mean, he's throwing the love word out there multiple times
1: right. I mean, that's, that's high praise for any NFL coach. And especially when it comes from a coach like coach Joseph, who is pretty quiet, generally speaking Um, you know, they, they have to love what they have, which is two quarterbacks that they can mold. And any coach who comes into a situation where they've got a young guy who's athletic um, and still kind of raw, or, you know, doesn't know your system, you get excited because that's something you can build and that's something you can construct with. And um, that's the reason we talk about athletic guys being such coach favorites um, is because a coach looks at that and he just starts to salivate and, you know, his mental whiteboard pops up and he's drawing the X's and O's because he knows what he can do with this kid if he can get through to him, get him to buy into a system and mold him into that system itself. So for a coach like Joseph and McCoy, mm-hmm. you know, because they've got two young guys who they think have high ceilings, who they can kind of get to work with now. And that is exciting. You're not walking into a situation with older guys who've been around the league, maybe aren't as athletic as they used to be. No, you've got two fresh-faced young kids who have, between them, a combined three years NFL experience.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, hey, it is Friday. At least this episode is for Friday anyway, and we try to get to at least one of your questions on Fridays. Let's take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag and see what we have here. Here we go. In fact, this first one comes from a friend of the show, Carl Dummler. He's a Mile High Huddle analyst, also a co-host of Huddle Up Podcast with our good friend Nick Kendall. Carl had a good question, I think, that uh, I'm looking at here that we should address, Luke. His question is, what can Lynch, while we're on the topic, what can Lynch and or Simeon do during the off season to make you feel better about them? I'll serve it up to you. Your answer for Carl.
1: Well, quite frankly, just because they're learning a new system, there's not really much that they can do to go above and beyond um, what's expected of them. So it's not like they're going to go out and say, oh, you know, coach, here's what, you know, I think, you know, it's not necessarily a projection of what they're doing in a system that they've already been in. This is new stuff for them. So they can certainly come to the coaches and say, hey, coach, you know, we ran this play in third and short or in goal line situations last year. I really liked running this play. I felt comfortable with this play, which. To a new coach, the word "comfortable" is such a just—it it sets off alarm bell. Well, not alarm bells. It sets off um, good, happy sirens and alarms mm-hmm. um, because it 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 tells you that a player knows what he can execute and that it had success for them last year. So, if a player comes in and he says, "Hey, coach, you know, I really liked when we ran—I'm just trying to think of a play here. I—I I, you know, our ninety series when we ran the ninety series in the in the red zone last year. I really liked what we accomplished, or whatever it may be." I I felt comfortable with that. Um, You know, maybe we could incorporate that into the offense this year. And then the coach gets to say, all right, you know, Trevor, all right, Paxton, the clicker is yours here, run me through this. And then you put up the film on the wall and he's saying, all right, you know, walk me through this. Then the quarterback gets to engage with the coach and say, here's how I'd run this. Here's why I really like this. Here's wh- how we can exploit these other teams weaknesses around the league. Um, and then you're taking that next step as a coach and a quarterback, you're getting into that symbiot- symbiotic relationship where the court, the coach needs to be a quarterback and the quarterback needs to be a coach. Um, and so that's really where these young guys can really take that next step is by, you know, just knocking on the coordinator's door and saying, Hey coach, you got a sec.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. And I would just add to that. And by the way, you guys should be following Carl on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Carl Dummler, D-U-M-L-E-R, D-U-M-L-E-R uh, Carl with a C, at Carl Dummler, M-H-H. Um, and I, I would add to that, you know, with Simeon, and I don't know how much of this can manifest in the offseason, honestly, but if if Simeon were to win the job, I want to see more of a killer instinct from him in the red zone. I want to see him uh, challenge uh, defenses more vertically and take more chances, not necessarily in an irresponsible, uh, you know, gunslinger kind of way where you're just chucking it up there and hoping for the best. But I just want him to see to see him be a little bit more aggressive with the ball at times. And really, I think we know what to expect from Trevor Simeon in a competition. He's going to be very prepared. He's going to be on the ball. He's going to know his plays. He's going to know his cues, all that stuff. Um, it's Paxton Lynch. What, do we, what can we expect? What do we need to see from Paxton Lynch? And for me, it just starts and ends with a command of the offense. I want to see intensity in how he approaches things. I want to hear sources and buzz out of Dove Valley that he is taking his Uh, opportunity seriously with his work ethic and then really just attacking the playbook because the sooner he can assimilate that playbook and get it on a subconscious level the sooner you're going to see that guy's natural elite level talent rise to the surface and that's the biggest thing you know for him is getting through the thinking process to where he can just react on an instinctive level make his reads make a play and um, that was one of the things that held him back, of course, as a rookie, was just the thinking. He's thinking too much, and uh, it it really prevented him from being able to make the type of impact you'd want to see from your first-round pick. So I hope to see that from him uh, in training camp specifically. Now, one more question, and then we'll call it a week. Uh, This one comes from Jacob Smith at JS, Mile High, ninety seven ninety eight. Jacob asks, is it honestly worth the team's time to stay in pursuit of Romo. After the draft, I think it would be counterproductive. Now, Luke, you know, again, I'm on record as saying the Broncos would be better off long-term to forget about Tony Romo and focus on cultivating and developing these two young quarterbacks on the roster. But I understand Elway's sense of urgency to win now with that defense as it's currently constructed. It's not going to last forever. But the question becomes, at what cost? Because like it or not, John Elway's legacy as a general manager is going to be shaped somewhat by the Paxton Lynch pick in the first round. And the Broncos just, in my opinion, need to bite the bullet. They need to get on with developing him. And the best way to do that is to build around uh, Lynch and to start him. But I digress. As it relates to Romo, okay, he says, Jacob's question, is it honestly worth the team's time to stay in pursuit of Romo at this point? And then he adds, after the draft, Luke, I think it would be counterproductive.
1: Well, yeah, by the time of the draft, I really think it's kind of the do-or-die time for both Denver and Dallas because at that point you need to have your, your team pretty much set going into rookie OTAs and then the offseason um, to, to kind of have an idea of what you're going to get with your quarterback room. Um, I do think Denver has to... Really look at their quarterback room and say we've got a really an, we've got a talented room, but we've got an inexperienced room. So if they're going to veteran, going to add a veteran, they need to do it you know pretty much sooner rather than later to just get that as settled as possible. We don't really see veteran quarterbacks get signed you know going into mini camp or um, you know training camp all that often because the veterans are the guys who can you know the more exposure you get with them with the young guys the better. Um, so it defi- I guess it really depends on what you define as. Pursuit on Romo is pursuit, you know, every other day just picking up the phone and, you know, going, Hey, Jerry, it's John. How's, how's Tony? Um, you know, that is that pursuit, or is it just saying, All right, well, you know, folks in Dallas, give us a call when you're ready to deal. When you're ready to deal, Tony will be here and waiting. Um, if not, best of luck to you you know is that pursuit because really when it comes down to it Denver I think they have to go into this offseason I think they'll go in with four quarterbacks just because that's what they've typically shown it would not shock me if they have three quarterbacks on the roster next season so Hmm. you know if they don't add Tony Romo I think they draft one Um, and if not I think they uh, if they do add Tony I think they take a look at someone in uh, in undrafted free agency but year in year out they carry four quarterbacks on this roster
0: yeah, and I would add to that, if they do end up with Romo, uh, don't be surprised if Trevor Simeon gets dealt. So, But hey, great week for the show. Big thanks to everybody uh, for tuning in and downloading and listening to these episodes. We are, as a podcast, growing exponentially, and Luke and I have you to thank for that. Um, make sure you're following the show though on Twitter at Locked On Broncos. Luke's on Twitter at Luke Polglaze. Myself at Chad and Jensen. We do love hearing from you. We try to address your questions as as often as we can. And again, we try and set aside Friday's episodes specifically for that. Check out the other Killer Podcasts on the network, Locked On NFL Draft in particular. Right now, you really need to be uh, putting on your your daily listening schedule. And don't forget to subscribe, y'all. For Luke, I'm Chad. We will talk to you next week.